1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Just be sitting up there jacking Pepsi. I'm there for the pack goat. You just got to pack me in committed to the bow early on like i love getting close and putting up you cover a range of stuff on here too right like we call this the uh, the thp world headquarters you know my grandpa roy weatherby i came into like that golden little pocket where there was like four or five different bowls just you're canadian we're doing yeah, a canadian I... podcast my name's Douglas Bode. i'm robbie denning um for us it's been a very very rainy season very rainy season, which is, you know, much deserved for Colorado because Colorado is usually a dry state. Um, but we, we get those spurts every now and then. Uh, we'll get those spurts from time to time. And this is one of those rainy seasons. So last year was a drought season. And uh, this year has been one of the rainiest on, on record. But also when that rain kind of disappears, you'll get those hot, like, 100, 101 degrees at, at our house um, in Pueblo West. And then in the Springs, it's probably 98. And oh, then yeah. in Denver, in Denver, it's probably 97, 98 too as well. So, well, oh, my wife said it was 107 today downtown. So, so it tells you. 40, low 40 degrees then for us, right? Is that about right, Kevin? Yeah. That's I'm not uh, very good at math, but that sounds about right. And then, you know, an hour and a half up the road at my buddy's house that that hunts with me he uh you know the high temperatures at his house is around 75 degrees um so wow. when you drop down the elevation he's at 75 77 and when you drop down in elevation and you come down here to 44 uh it, it'll get scorching yeah no doubt and in arizona and texas new mexico them guys are burning up yeah. I can't even imagine. I, I, I sent him a text just because I was like, our news was showing the, the temperatures down there. And they were saying like people were falling, tripping on the asphalt. And 
they're getting like second degree burns on their elbows and stuff just from hitting the asphalt and the concrete. Wow. That's right. That's right. Crazy. Yeah. So, um, no, yeah, it's been, uh, today, this evening is pretty cool, cooled down quite a bit. And, uh, um, and it's green everywhere here in Colorado. Um, I can tell you right now, it's the horn growth is amazing. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, yeah, we're well and familiar about what you guys got going on down in Colorado for sure. Pretty awesome. Little jealous. Little jealous. Uh, yeah. So you ever been up this way, up to Canada? No, I haven't. Um the furthest the the closest I'm gonna get is well, I've been really close. I've been I've been to uh Detroit and seen the borderline on Detroit. Oh, yeah. And then uh for some uh, competitions and stuff like that. I've seen the border on that. And then um, uh, next year we plan on going to Alaska and, and hunting moose, but we'll fly over. We won't, we won't be in Canada at all. But uh, what's funny is I've traveled the world with, with, with wrestling and I've not once touched ground in Canada. (laughs) Crazy. Nor Alaska either. So, yeah. Well, so. that'll be a fun trip anyway, hunting moose up there. Oh, yeah. 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 For yeah. sure. I'm after some big ones. I got some, uh, we're going to de- DIY that hunt and uh, we're going to try to stay on a budget of, you know, $5,000. And, you know, if we bust it a little bit, but I don't expect it to bust it a lot. And I, I got some uh, some good buddies that are from that area. And, uh, and then we'll go up, you know, and try to get it done. Yeah. Three tags in a pocket and see what happens. Well, I got some good news for you. I don't think they make anything small up there. No. <laughs> They're no. just one giants up there. <laughs> They're just giants. They're giants. I'm just I'll, I'll be a s I'll just be happy to get up there and see what we can do. So awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna sacrifice uh next year's uh elk season, at least portion of the elk season, uh for that for that particular hunt. Uh, because my buddies, you know, that uh, we got one of the wrestlers that are on the team and he's from Alaska and he's native to Alaska. His dad is into it. And, uh, you know, they they hunt all the time. So he's going to spend some time after the 2024. I know he'll make the 2024 Olympics. And then after the 2024 Olympics is over, with, he's going to spend majority of uh, September up in Alaska and I told him, I said, hey, man, I just need to know what what that two two week window is. Tell me what that two week window is and we're coming. And um, so it, it sounds like it's like that second week of September and then two weeks after that. And then we're in that golden rut zone. So I'm just after some ruddy moose. Nice. Yeah, it'll be fun, man. Chasing moose. Northern moose is good. I mean uh i grew up in northern bc so i'm familiar with that area but i mean not i've, I've been to alaska once but i haven't spent a lot of time up there no you ever it's been up there pete uh not for anything other than when i lived up in prince hubert there when we were friends up there a couple couple tours up there but nothing nothing crazy not like yeah. we would now you know like as an adult i'd go do totally different things and yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you're, you're when you're a little hooligan, you're doing different things or interested in different things. Yeah, oh, just like a whole other world up there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt. 
Well, maybe maybe you can just start off by giving yourself a little introduction there. Just let uh, the Canadian folk up here know who you are, and uh, and then maybe we'll get into a bit of your background of wrestling and stuff because uh, I like to talk about that and just training and stuff, and then we'll dive right into uh, elk hunting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for the for the listeners and viewers that are listening, uh, my name is Jermaine Hodge. I'm really originally from North Carolina, but. I, um, the army brought me out to uh, Colorado and, um, you know, I've been wrestling since I was 12 years old. And then, you know, I was fortunate enough to make the world-class athlete program and, um, for the, for the army. And, uh, I started wrestling, uh, senior level at, at, uh, in 2000, pretty much at the end of 2004 to, to 2005. And, uh, you know, when I got brought out to Colorado, it was a whole new, you know, shock to me myself. And, uh, uh, for me, it was all about making, you know, Olympic team and world teams and national teams and bringing home medals. And, uh, I can tell you that, uh, you know, I came out to Colorado with the expectations of, of making these teams, but I, I fell in love with, uh, with elk hunting and I've, I've been hunting, you know, pretty much all my life, uh, pretty much from the eighth grade on uh, my dad hunted squirrels and all this other stuff, not big game. And then uh, I got introduced to some, some wrestling buddies that, that hunted. And then they kind of, they, they lit a fire under, it was already a, a, a flame going, but uh, they, they threw some fire, some fuel on that fire. And I just started taking off from that point. Um, but I back up a little bit. I left uh, high school, uh, Orange High School, which is just outside of Chapel Hill, Hillsboro is the town. And uh, I went in with the expectations of, hey, I got to make a I got to make some college team and try to make some kind of career out of this. And then uh, lo and behold, I found myself in Northern California, Susanville, and uh, I was wrestling for Lassen College. And and then after that, I uh, pretty much transferred over to UNC Pembroke, which is in North Carolina, uh, Lumberton, North Carolina. And then I found myself joining the Army on my junior year of college. I was like, hey, I got, I got wrestling is my passion. This this working wrestling and, and doing all this other stuff is killing me. So I just wanted to focus on one thing. And uh, then, you know, here, here we are, fast forwarded. I'm, I was in Colorado in uh, 2005. I, I missed the draw for elk and um, – and didn't didn't get the opportunity to hunt in 2005, and then 2006, uh, I was hunting my elk for the first time, and uh, I think I got lucky a little bit. I would say, you know, more more luck was on my side than anything. And then I I killed my first elk in 2006, and then it, it was on from that point. I that was a that was a uh, a flame that was never gonna go down, and uh, and then I started killing you know elk multiple years, years and years and year in and year out and uh and I started enjoying it so much I wanted to you know take some of my buddies with me and then I started teaching them things that I knew and started putting the learning curve down for good friends of mine and uh and then um you know fast forward a little bit uh I would go out into the woods with my buddies and they were like dude when you call them we don't know if you're the elk or they're the elk we know where you are but we don't know if you're the elk because you sound so much like them. And, uh, and it was, it was funny. It was, you know, it was, it was an honor for someone to say that about me, but I was like, yeah, I'm just, 
doing my best rendition of of me and and mimicking those elk and um and then my buddy pat in uh 2019 you know it, it was i back up a little bit it was 2018 going into 19 he was like man you need to compete you need to compete you need to compete and he kept pushing it on me and i was like dude i am not interested in that stuff and um and then there was a local tournament up in the uh, Colorado Springs area. And I went in there. I told I told him, I said, you know, I'm just going to show up. And I said, if I if I decide to compete, I compete. It doesn't really matter to me. And uh, brought my stuff with me, wife, the family and whatnot. And I said, all right, man, just sign me up. It's OK. And I, I guess it was about 14 contestants. And. Uh, and I. They, it was old school drawing. They draw your name. They said if we draw, if you draw number one, you you have to blow twice, but you have to draw another number, and then you'll be going, and that'll be your scorecard. So if you draw one, we're not scoring. If we draw, you draw another number, that's your scorecard. That's where you you are uh, when you come up. Well, lo and behold. I was nervous as I'll all get out. I don't know any of these people. And I'm like, I draw a number one. I'm like, man, I got to go twice. And then I draw number five afterwards. And and it it was okay. It was a good warm-up for me. You know, I get on get on the stage and I, I start doing my best rendition of me being in the woods. They say, you know, 45 seconds cow sounds, and I do my cow sound. 45 seconds bull sounds and I do my bull sounds and and then they say okay 45 seconds freestyle and, and I do my freestyle of, you know just maybe a herd kind of interacting with each other some breeding sequences and whatnot and well I sit down and I rinse and repeat on the second blow because I'm number five but after I did my practice run which was number one uh my wife was like, yeah, everybody's like, maybe we shouldn't have signed up for this competition because these guys are good. You know, I was like, they talk about me or what are they talking about? And so these guys come up and they they blow and, and I'm like, yeah, you know, they sound pretty good, but it's some things that I would work on if, you know, I was them. And uh, at the end of the competition, they go through and they, you know, announce one, two and three places and they go from the bottom up to the top. So they go number three and they go number two. And I'm like, well, I, I probably lost this. I said, I'm fine with it. I'm, I'll, I'll go back in the woods and still kill animals. I'm fine. And they said, in your first place winner is number five. Call it number five. And I said, man, that's me. And I get up and uh, that's when I got introduced to uh, the Deesmans from Mile High Note Game Calls. And great guys and uh him and his son have done a, a tremendous job with that company. And they they asked me, they said, man, is this your first time, you know, calling? I said, yeah. I said, on stage, absolutely. I said, in the woods? No, I've been doing this for some years. And uh, so I, I try to stay humble as possible. And I've, I've learned that, you know, you know through, through the years of being in the woods, like the elk could keep you humble all the time. And then being on a mat, you, you think you're the best and, and you you get beat sometimes and you're like, wow. And you thought you were the best and you, you get beat. So I, I try to keep it as humble as possible. And then uh, 
after that competition, you know, those guys were like, man, you should, you could, you should go further into like, you know, competing a little deeper. We, we think you can do really good. And uh, I said, well, man, I told my wife, I said, well, I got a little time. There, there's a regional in Salt Lake city. Let me uh, dive over and, and I'll, I'll fly in there. I'll compete. And then I'll go do one of my army missions. And then, uh, and then we'll see what happens. I fly in there and it's uh it's steep competition, man. It's a lot of great callers. And I, I, I said, you know, I said, we'll just see what happens. And I get in there and it's 32 contestants. And at the very end of all that, I got my bubble popped really hard. And it was, uh, I think I placed 14th or 15th out of 32 contestants. And I was like, wow. I said, I know I'm better than that. I said, elk world championships is in one month. I said, I'm going to go to that. I've made my decision. I'm going. I said, but I can't go in there and place 15th or 14th. I said, I really need to practice. And I spent the whole month just going through routine and every call you can possibly, they would hit me with, I would just, I, I got it. I'm going to nail it down. And I would practice hours of day and just to nail down like my routine on stage because in the woods is totally different than I would be on stage. And uh, so, and then uh, 2000, you know, at, at world championships in 2019, uh, I went to world championships and my goal was just to, you know, win, win a couple, win a couple matches. And uh, they, they had changed the rules at that particular moment and it was head to head. So it's head-to-head competition now, which kind of made it a little bit better for me anyways, because I felt like if I was head-to-head with somebody, then they would be able to pick the best caller out of those two instead of having a bunch of callers going simultaneously after each other and then picking the best one out of 32 contestants would be very difficult. But if we were going head-to-head, then we can narrow it down to the top four and then you can like narrowed down to like your best, your best one. So, you know, I went through the bracket and I just started busting bubbles and I tried to stay as humble as possible, but my best calls I could do in as clean as possible. And uh, next thing you know, I was in the semifinals and I was like, wow, I've already seeded where I wanted to seed. I'm in a top four. I said, I'm just going to let, let it go. And let's just see what happens. And then uh, I I think I was the dark horse out of everybody, but no one really knew who I was. But they've seen these other callers previous in previous years, but they'd never seen me. And and then uh, next thing I know, boom, I'm in the finals and I and I tripped up and I won it. I'm going to say I tripped up when I got lucky. But (laughs) it was it was a lot of it was a lot of four, three matches, four, three matches. And uh, I went up against a lot of great callers that are really good friends of mine now to to this day uh, that that are amazing elk callers and they do a, a wonderful job in the woods. But and then after that, you know, I kind of uh, started kind of really like honing down because, you know, if for the viewers and listeners that don't know, I, I previously said I'm in the military and um and I knew I was getting ready to retire here soon. So uh, next year will be my retirement date. And I'm officially retired next year uh, after 20, 20 years and one month of service. I am wow. done. Yes. And um, so, you know, 
leading up to like after 2019, I kind of, I kind of, you know, you, you kind of trip into where you want to be. And you, sometimes it's, it's destined to be, I, I really want to work in the outdoor industry and, and, uh, and, uh, share my passion with everybody else. So that's where I'm trying to go right now. And, um, we'll see where it leads me. It, it can lead me down to a dark hole or it can lead me to, to victory. I don't know. We'll see where it goes, but, uh, um, that kind of sums everything up in a, in a, you know, in a short story. Yeah. I, I think if you're doing what you love to do, I don't think there is any dark holes. No, not at all. Not yeah. at all. Yeah. No, every day is a good day when you can do stuff like that. That's what yeah. everybody's for. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Right. You know, and if you, uh, and if you're in the outdoor industry to to make money, then it's probably not not the right area for you. You probably want to go be an engineer somewhere or something like that, you know. But yeah, uh, but if you, if you're doing you only what live you once, do, that's right. That's right. Yeah. If you're doing what you you love to do, I promise you, uh, it outweighs the money. Yeah, for sure. And if you're if you're like yourself and you're a hard worker, I mean, worth ethic goes a long way. Um, you know, you've obviously, obviously proved it throughout your life. So I'm, I'm pretty confident you're going to do good, whatever you decide to do. That's good, man. It's awesome. So who are you up against in the finals there in 2019? Um, his, his name is, uh, Corey Christensen. And he, he is, he's phenomenal caller. He, uh, he recently opened up a barbershop. I think he's in Washington, don't quote me on this. I think he's in Washington. He is um, from a uh, Indian tribe, and yeah. they, they hunt on some of those uh, Indian reservations. And amazing, straight amazing caller. Um, he is st- still a good friend of mine. Uh, I think he signed on with Rocky Mountain Elk Calls, um, but I, I I haven't heard anything, and I haven't seen him in a few years because I think he's just. Because when he opened up his business after 2019, he opened up his uh his barbershop business. Uh, I think he was finding himself swamped in 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 the business aspect of things, and he you know he probably I haven't touched base with him lately, but he probably still still killing elk. But at the same time, he's finding himself uh overwhelmed with business and stuff like yeah. that. So that happens. yeah, he's great guy, great guy. Yeah, so so back up a little bit to when you got into calling. Was that like, like, you just practiced by yourself? Was it all like you just you just went out into the woods and you see you heard what the elk were doing? And you just tried to mimic those calls, or did you have somebody helping you, or was it like watching videos and kind of explain yeah, that a little yeah. bit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it started in two thousand. Well, it didn't start in two thousand six. It started like the end of two thousand five. But then in two thousand six, when I knew I drew a tag, I started honing my abilities. Like, could I blow a diaphragm? Were you that good? Watching videos, driving my wife insane. Yeah, DVDs and, out the ass. Probably back then there was, was no, no Google or no nothing. <laughs> extreme bully bulls. Uh, Will Primos. Oh yeah, the Primos. I was gonna say I have Primos on VHF. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, uh, still yes. to this day. Yes, I got all. I had, I had all those DVDs. My wife made me get get them away. Like, she, <laughs> why would you need them? Now? And I had 
the the truth about the truth about I think the truth I had from one to like seventeen. I had all of them. I had every last one of them, and I'd watch them constantly. Yeah. But but what's funny is that uh, let's go back to where I I didn't know anything about elk calling. I just knew I was pretty decent at a diaphragm. I picked up a diaphragm for the first time and was like, boom, dang, he can make a cow sound. Wow, you got to work. Yeah, that's the hardest struggle for people. I mean, like myself, I struggled with that. I I struggled with getting that noise. And then like, whenever I I remember like converting to like, I put a turkey reed in my mouth and I just want to blow an elk call. And yeah, I I had a hell of a time. I remember trying to get that thing to work at the beginning. My cousin, he went through with, he was a good caller. He still is a good caller, but um, yeah, it's not easy to do. So if you can get that out right out of the gate, that's pretty good. Right. Right out of the gate, I have no clue why, but I was able to make those calf and cow sounds. But they wouldn't, they, they weren't, they, they were not money. They were not money at this point. And they were enough to fool elk. That's all it was. And then what I, what I was good at, believe it or not, was open reads. I was really good at blowing open reads. And I could figure out how to make a cow and calf sound with those open reeds like no other. And I had no clue because most people with open reeds, they sound like a dying duck. And and I don't know if it was just voice control or lip control, what it was, but it was just, it was smooth. And, but my diaphragm still needed some work, but I knew I can work with both of those. And then for my bugles, Absolutely not. I could not bugle f- to, to save my life. And what I was using is the Primo's Terminator with the blue reed on top. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's all I needed. That's all I needed. Because if I can get them to sound off, then I was moving in and, and I was using other tactics to kill them. And it was not bugles at that point. It was more so I'm going to move in get as close as I can to, to that bull. And I'm a fool him with cow and calf sounds. And majority of my younger days, elk hunting, 2006, seven, eight, nine, I was killing them with cow and calf sounds and I'd locate them, move in. And sure enough, I'd pull them in with cow and calf sounds, whether it was open reads or my diaphragm, but the latter part of like 2009, I was getting way better with my diaphragms. And then I started honing skills in and trying to practice, practice, practice. So I will tell you is it's all self-taught. It was all watching videos, mimicking elk and trying to learn what they're saying, when they're saying it. And that really didn't like hone in till later. I was just trying to mimic elk and what they what they said. Like they said mew, I'm gonna say mew. They say, yeah, I'm going to say that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make those same sounds. I never knew what they were saying or never mimicked what they were saying until like the latter part of like 2009 to 2010, where it started really honing into like paying attention to what they were doing and when they were doing it. But I will tell you this, it's all self-taught. And it was all videos watching 
you know, the truth, watching the outdoor channel. I didn't really care about turkey hunting. I didn't care about deer hunting. Of course, I love to watch that stuff and I love to see other people get after it. But I was more so involved in, man, when's the next elk adventure? Because that that right there, when you when you get into a screaming bull, you're hooked. You're oh, done. Oh yeah. It you're only done. Some time and then you're you're done. You're you're yep. down the clock wall. Like you're yep. one, and one time. And you know, going on how much practice you did and how much uh time you put into it. I don't know if, about you, but a lot of people that I meet that struggle with diaphragms or it takes them a long time or they're not confident. Um, it seems to me that a lot of them have the same issue in their head where the only place they can practice is when they're out in the bush. Um, I, I used to bring mine into my truck all the time, except I started forgetting them in there and then they'd get wrecked because of the heat um, yep. in the truck or when I worked for the railroad and I was inspecting trains, my par- poor partner on the other side of the train, all he got to listen <laughs> all night long was cow call and different stuff. <laughs> while you'd hear, well, that sounds all right, but can you shut up? Because I've been listening to it for two. <laughs> oh, like, dude. <laughs> I, I'd bring him to work and like the guys that work for me, they're like, man, like, can we put on the radio or something? Because I'm just so sick of listening to you fucking blow on that stupid thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's been seven hours for like the la- a day for like the last, I don't know, four months. Like, can you give us a little bit of a break? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, I don't know if you guys find the same thing, but a lot of people are like, no, I just I don't have time. And it's like, no, you do have time. Yeah. You're just choosing to listen to the radio or or music in your truck. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to get better at something. You have to make the time for it, even if it's a five minute drive down to the grocery store. Well, you can honk on that thing for five solid minutes. No problem. And, you know, you've done something you're definitely gonna have some sounds out by then and you might have a bit of a headache yourself because you're doing it in your truck or car or whatever but that's what you have to do if you want to get to the next level there's no i love the look on people's face when they pull up beside you like a red light (laughs) and you're sitting there and you're blowing on the on the the read and they look over they're like what in the fuck i used to roll my window down oh (laughs) yeah oh yeah i do too all the time because two yeah Blow your tube at them. That's awesome. Yeah. Some yeah. people be like, yes. And then some people be like, what in the world? I've I've never I've never like pulled up beside somebody when I'm doing it and then give me like a thumbs up because if I pulled up to somebody and he's hammering away on a read, I'd be like, Yeah, buddy, right on. Like go get it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, right on, man. That's funny. Um so Drive my excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, go ahead. I I used to drive my wife absolutely insane. What I I will tell you is that um, in two thousand, uh, I can't remember when this book was out. I want to say it was nineteen twenty twenty one. The book is called Outliers, and it made like total sense to me. If if you guys get a chance. Like, look up that book called Outliers. And it talks about, like, professional athletes, um, people that are billionaires. And and what it really hones in on is, like, what I, what I drew from that whole book was this, this particular statement is 
If you want to be great at something, it takes tens of thousands of hours for you to be great. Now, I, I, I relate this to my wrestling background. Like, yeah, I spent tens of thousands of hours on the mat, accumulated over years and years and years and years of practice. I wasn't the one that had the greatest avenue to things until later in my eighth or ninth grade, and then the opportunity presented itself. Now, if the opportunity presents itself really early in the career, right, like someone as a, a two-year-old or a three-year-old that starts, you know, whatever sport it is, and they're around a great, a bunch of great athletes but that are coaches, that are coaching them. And by the time those, you know, those guys and gals get to a certain age, whether it be ninth grade, so 14, 13 to 14 years old, they're almost Olympian level, almost Olympian level because they've spent 20 to 50,000 hours doing whatever they love to do. Now, I relate this into what we were just talking about, calling and, and cutting the distance down, right? If you're new to calling, you just started, you have to start now. And the time to catch up is now. And you have to spend hours and hours and hours when someone like myself now would only have to spend 20, 30 minutes a day calling. You might have to spend two, three hours to catch up to where I am now. Yeah. And this Probably. might be a year, year and year, year process. So so for me, when, when I pick up the calls, I'm just knocking off dust. If I'm training for a competition, yes, I'm spending hours and and, and fine-tuning my routine. But to get in the woods and go out and do what I'm do, I do daily, I mean yearly, is that's just knocking off dust. But if I'm going to compete on the stage, then I have to I have to practice some months ahead of time to tone to tune in to those particular reads of whatever I'm going to blow and then come down with that routine because I'm competing against people that are doing the same thing. Yeah. Now awesome. For, for everybody else, going back to the Outliers book, these are tens of thousands of hours that you spend. And if you can do that on a daily basis, yearly basis, because hunting elk is 365. You leave season. When I leave season, I'm still thinking about elk. Mm-hmm. I'm still thinking about hunting, whether it's whitetail, which is right behind you, or whether it's you know any of these other big game species. But even when I'm hunting those species, I'm still thinking about elk because that's my best. That's the that's the one I love to do. Yeah, that's your right. Jam. That's my jam. So I might be going out to the white tailed tree stand, and I'm cow calling. <laughs> I'm like, hey, what were yeah. you doing, Dad? We, we we hunting deer. I'm just practicing my. I'm just practicing my bleat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I like that, man. And you're right. And it's the, and, and that's the thing. It, it, I mean, it's like the old saying, the best time to start was 20 years ago. The second best time to start is today. And for those that's guys, right. I mean, it, it's easy to see where you are with your calling. And like, that's just human nature. We see we, everybody, we seem to compare our first step to somebody's 20,000 step where, you know, how many times have you blown on that, that bugle tube, right? Like, 
you, you know, comparisons to Thief of Joy, you can't, you, you can't do it, man. You got to put in your time. You got to put in the work. And like, obviously you've, pl- you've applied that to everything you've done in life, whether it's wrestling or the military or like your calling. And that's what made that's you right. successful today. That's right. That's right. Tens of thousands of hours. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk a little bit about hunting and then maybe we can get into just uh, a little bit about, uh, you know, fitness and stuff and kind of like how you keep yourself in shape for the mountains. So, um, when is the season open for you guys down there? Um, so archery season, actually, well, while we playing antelope season, archery antelope season opens up on the 15th of August. And, uh, I might do a little bit of that. I mean, I, love, I, got, I, some, love, I got a, I got a story for you at the end. I, I got love a story antelope hunting. We don't have antelope here in British Columbia. That's where Pete and I are, but next door to us in Alberta, they have antelope and as bc residents we can put in for draws and i i was out there in 2000 i think 2019 18 or 19 i was out there and i managed to take one it was it was an archery hunt but jesus is that ever a lot of fun chasing those critters around like with a rifle i don't i've never done it with a rifle so i guess i can't really talk but it didn't seem like it would be as fun with a rifle as it is with a bow it's it's just as fun but you know what i i do I challenged myself for long range rifle hunting. For oh, antelope. okay, yeah, yeah long I range, mean, yeah, like seven, eight, nine hundred yards. You know, yeah, challenge yourself at that. But we, we're going to practice before we go out to the field to, to execute because we're not going to be just slinging bullets. Yeah, you know, so we got to practice leading up to this. And if we're hitting a thousand yard plate uh, uh, at a thousand yard, we're hitting a sixteen inch plate at a thousand yards at nine hundred yards. We can kill an antelope. But I will tell you is archery antelope will keep you humbled. It it keeps you it keeps you humbled because I say this. I consider myself a really good shot with archery equipment. I am not a competition shooter by no means. I'm a meat hunter. I hunt meat. So if we in the biscuit, we good. <laughs> I'm not hey, I'm not this this quarter shoot shoot guy. Yeah. We're in the biscuit, we're good. And um, I, when I'm archery hunting antelope, I'll practice. And in my backyard, I can shoot, I think, 98 yards from corner to corner. Oh, nice. and, and I'll start practicing. I practice nothing less than 50 yards. Even to today, no matter what I do, I don't practice anything less than 50 yards. And then I go back 60, 70, 80, 90. And when I start practicing with them archery antelope, that's what I'm doing. I'm shooting those long range bombs. So that's to get me ready for, for, for elk season. And that starts right around like August 15th. And then that carries over into September too, as well. And then uh, September 2nd to September 30th is elk season. And that's my, that's my primary season. That's what I'm hunting. When I'm hunting elk, it's going to be in September. So I hit the ground running uh, usually September 2nd to the end of September. I take all those days off. I don't I don't have a day off. I'm in the woods. If I have a day off, it's because we probably killed something and I need to clean up or we smell like goats and we need to go take a shower. Yeah, no doubt. So you guys, so you hunt, um, you, you're allowed one bull, I imagine, in Colorado? Yeah, you, you, uh, primarily it's going to be an A tag, which is going to be your bull tag, right? And a B tag, which is going to be 
primarily a, a cow tag. And then you can get a C tag too, which can be uh, most of the time, if you, you get that first bull tag, that A tag, that C tag is probably going to be a cow tag too as well. I don't okay. even dip into the C tags. The C tags are like um, pretty much like, um, I would say like a lottery tag, like you you, mm-hmm. you put in for a uh, uh, a raffle ticket or something like that. Right. That'd be some of your prime your your C tags. You you have C tags in Colorado for like management units that you know they're trying to herd down some of these animals. Uh, but I don't even get too deep into that because once again, you know, we got a family of four and all four of us are hunting. Um, so. There's no need to get past the B tags because after that, I'm gonna need more freezers. Yeah, no doubt. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. interesting how your guys' tags work down there in all the different states and with all our different guests. How, how, um, well, I mean, like number one, how well managed your guys' is, like everything is down there compared to how much of a shit show it is up here in, like, say, British Columbia, for instance. I think British Columbia is probably like the furthest behind in terms of like uh game management and just like how how our rules are and like our leh system and all that stuff i would say hey pete yeah it's it's a shit show sometimes it works out for a person sometimes it doesn't but the actual management of the animals um i i think it's an honest opinion to say it's a managed to zero the government they 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 don't care they you know whether whether they're enticed by the insurance companies, ICBC up here, which is government and all that kind of stuff, you know, fewer animals, fewer claims, fewer car incidents. I'm not saying that's what it is. There's lots to it, but it seems like the wildlife is at the bottom of the list for everything, which is crazy because we used to have so much here. And there's yeah, I, I mean, we, st- we are like, like, I mean, we are pretty blessed here in British Columbia. I think British Columbia probably has more species of, of animals than, any other place in in North America, and like we we pretty much get over the counter. We can hunt sheep, moose, caribou, goats, you know, elk, deer, all that stuff. So we are pretty blessed, but it, it's just a shame to see uh, to see what our government hasn't done in order to protect that stuff. But yeah, it's definitely cool. Listen to how your guys' tags work and and how everything works down there. It's it'd be nice if we had some of that uh, dedication to wildlife up here. I, I I think Colorado does a decent job. I think we I, I, I think any state could do a any state, any country, you know, mm-hmm. I'm 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 speaking for North America, right? I think we all can do a better job of yeah, kind of managing yeah. managing this stuff and uh and I think um there every year it gets better than it does, then it gets worse. It needs to get. It always needs to get better, and um, you got to take steps forward. And you might take two steps back before you can take two steps forward. Um, and I think that for any state, I think you know there there were some mismanaged uh, wolves in Idaho, and and I think that that you know is paying repercussions nowadays. I think that that to to, to this day, I think you know. If if they had managed those wolves in um, in Idaho a little bit better, I think it would have been a lot better than it is now. Now, hey, open season for wolves, get your tags, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's 
it's a it's almost too late yeah too little too late yeah right and, so and that, now, and that seems to be the i mean that, that like you're right i mean that seems to be everywhere because i mean that's present here it's present and like all provinces are provinces and territories in british columbia and like obviously we you know we deal you know uh john's a friend of mine and you know we're in close connection with charles and we see a lot of what you guys are doing like with what hell for wildlife and other organizations like rm the rocky mountain foundation and all that stuff are doing for for wildlife and man like it's it just it just seems like when it comes to working with government any government it just seems like it's like well let's wait and see what happens type of approach rather than a proactive type of approach you know, I, and, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but what I will say is to uh, some of the, the listeners that may not be hunters is watching what everybody else, everybody else outside of the hunting industry and then watching what everybody else in the hunting industry is doing and then combine the both together and then make a decision. So when you're voting on something, make a decision on both combined yeah and then you'll be able to make a really good decision and you can live with that at nighttime but if you say oh we want wolves in colorado well wolves haven't been in colorado we no technically wolves haven't been in colorado for a while but they have been in colorado they just not have been introduced to colorado they've come over borders none of these animals are restricted to borders, they'll they'll move from state to state. And believe it or not, I have friends back in 2016 that shows me that's that's shown me videos of trail cam videos of wolves in 2016 in Colorado. So to tell me that Colorado doesn't have wolves, you you're absolutely insane. We just don't have a vast amount of the wolves. Now, I know this is a deep rabbit hole and I won't go any further than what I'm going to say right now is, you know, collectively, if we can all just come together and say, hey, this is what's best for for everybody. We want the wolves, but we should manage these wolves. We want we want the bears, but we should manage these bears. Otherwise, we're going to have incidents where bears, coyotes and whatever are snatching little two year olds off the porch. You know? Yeah, and there won't be any ungulates left because they'll, they'll be wiped out. And yeah, it's just. Uh... I wish right. that governments would join up and take a lot of the information that I mean, the United States puts in a lot of the states. They put in a ton of money into research development, like understanding what's going on with the wildlife. And yes, as far behind as we are, they are starting to take into account some of that stuff and put money into it. But until we catch up. I wish they would take the information that uh, a lot of the states, especially the northern states that are close to us, take that information. Because like you said, these animals cross back and forth. They cross into Canada, they cross in the states, across provinces. They don't care. So what an elk does just across the border from us here, they're going to do the same thing on our side as your side. So start sharing that science and understanding the best way to manage them. I mean, you got to fail to succeed. So share the failures and we'll all share this, uh, the, all the, the success too in, in managing them. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, let's uh, circle back to elk hunting. I don't know how we got going on down. That's an easy, that's an easy one to get trapped in though. 
So let's talk about like uh let's talk a little bit about like elk calling and like elk setups and kind of like so what are you doing right now to get ready for your elk season? Like in terms of not like in terms of your calling, in terms of like where you're planning to start hunting, you know, you're locating, like all your stuff you're doing up to where you're actually gonna be putting boots on the ground come opening day. Well, I wish I was on my laptop because then I'd just plug in some some pictures and show on. But if if you follow me on uh, Instagram, I'm trying to share as many pictures as I can, like the majority of the the pictures that I can. What's funny this year for Colorado, and I will I'm gonna go down some rabbit holes, but I will circle back to what you're saying. Um, what's funny is I, I try to set set some of my trail cameras really low, and these low trail cameras, I'm trying to find the cows. Um, in these primary units that I've set these cameras that I know where these cows are already, but I want pictures of them. I want confirmation. I want, I want to take inventory. That's all I'm doing is taking inventory, especially in units that we've, we've hunted for years and years in and out. And if we can get those tags, absolutely. We know what's in those areas. Uh, so in these particular areas where I have these cow these cow cameras, I was going to say cow cameras, these cameras, um, it's some buddies that have tags in these areas, but I don't have a tag. Um, but I set these cameras up because number one, I'm trying to help out some good friends of mine. And then number two, uh, I'd like to know what's in the area. What's funny this year is that I was not expecting to get any bulls on any camera, but one. What's funny is I'm getting bulls on some of the lowest altitude areas where I was like, ain't no way no bulls down there. And bulls are popping up left and right. And that's funny to me because obviously we have a lot of water, but there's a lot of vegetation. And I, I, I'm still scratching my head today what, why these bulls are coming down so low when they have water everywhere. I, I don't know why they're coming down so low because usually like in a, in like last year when it was drier, those bulls would hang up higher where the rain would hit those mountainsides and rain and then it would disappear. And then it would come out East and in uh, the Eastern Colorado plains. And then it, then it would rain. So it would rain up high, but it wouldn't rain down low. It was, it's really weird because, you know, in Colorado, I don't know about Canada, but, in Colorado, I can look across the valley five miles away and I can see that it's raining. It's raining over there. It's not raining at my house. Never rained over here, not once. And a lot of times you can do that in Colorado where you can say, wow, it's pouring down rain over there. Um, but Colorado's been getting saturated and it, I've been catching bulls very low this year which is surprising to me. So to circle back on everything, uh, I, you know, for, for me, for, for Colorado, what I'm doing to get ready, um, they have, uh, they have a leftover list and a reissue list that's going on. I didn't draw a Colorado tag this year and I knew I wasn't going to draw a Colorado tag because I drew a Colorado tag last year and I spent five points for that tag. And, uh, that hunt is on Phelps game calls. Um, we, we, we dropped that hunt on uh, their platform and it's doing very well. So, and I expected to do even, even better as we get the season. And, um, but 
I will tell you, last year was tough. It was very tough in the unit that I was hunting, but I had to set some of my trail cameras up very high to catch some of those bulls. And I would see lots of good bulls up high, but I would never catch those bulls down low. And kind of circle back. So, you know, we're going to play the reissue list this year, the the leftover list and the reissue list this year. We're going to see what we can do. But I do have a Idaho tag. And um, that's that's a special hunt that I'm holding very close to my heart because I have three three good friends. I have two two guys that I'm going to hunt with that I've never hunted with before um, that are previous world champions. And, uh, you know, and then we have another buddy of mine that hunts with me all the time. He just won world championships, Pat Latrell. He just won world championships this year. And, uh, you know, he's going to be up there helping us too as well. And um, so this hunt holds a, like a close thing to my heart and we're going to spend 15 days from September 15th to the September 30th chasing elk in Idaho, Northern Idaho at that. And uh, so in a, in a, that, that's a terrain that I've never been in. And this is going to be the first time that I ventured outside of Colorado to chase elk. And I know we, we're, we're going to get it done. Um, I, I can tell you this is that um, if you have four, four, three would, 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 tags and four world champions chasing elk uh watch out elk that's all i can say watch out elk um what am i what am i doing to get ready for for elk season what's funny is that i don't practice a, a ton of a ton going into season for my calls but we have uh for that hunt in idaho we have a prototype called that's getting ready to drop and um give you all a little sneak peek it's, it's going to be called all american series and that's uh three world champions three different calls and it's going to have the american flag on there and it's going to represent uh uh you know us us americans trying to trying to get it done here and um and i hope i hope and pray that everybody else uh kind of uh resonates with our film at the end of this uh uh it's it's a brotherhood, you know. It's people hanging around each other with with like minded things that they they have in common. And uh, I could promise you that, you know, with me behind the wheel, let's go get them. Let's go get them. So yeah, that sounds like spend, a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't spend a lot of time practicing, um, but we are we, we we us three have been blowing these calls to make sure that these calls are the ones that we want to drop. So uh, we've all three have came up with a decision and I can't wait to show what it's all about. It's, it's awesome. I can't even wait to blow my other two buddies calls. They, 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 their, their calls. Usually I don't have a problem blowing any call, but uh, it's, you know, when you, when you go in the dark and you'd be like, man, let me try your call. And then you find out you're like, man, you ain't too far from where I am right now, right? <laughs> so it's it's funny because I, we'll we'll get to test each other's calls out there at the same time, and then we'll get to utilize these same calls that that we're gonna drop on the market for Phelps game calls. And uh, I'm I'm super excited for the, for the market and to introduce some some new things that may may be able to help you guys out, uh, especially when it comes to woods. 
it's going to be tough with three three world class out colors sitting there because like there's got to be a little bit of like you'll be blown on a call and the other guy will be like oh no that's that's not how you do it this is how you do it like might be a little bit of competition going on there <laughs> honestly honestly i would say this hey, that's funny though i would say this is i'm i'm so humble like i'm cool with whatever strategy you want to throw at me but that strategy's not working Let's come to the round table. Let's come together. And I think us three, us three that have the tags. Now we have four world champs at camp, but us three, like collectively kind of coming up with, with a game plan, surround and conquer. That's my like that's that's my goal. Like, like I already know how public land hunting can get. And if we own elk. And we're getting them to sound off, and we—if we get them to sound off, it's over. I already know this; it's over. I'm gonna pull at least a satellite bull in. I don't know what you guys are gonna pull in. I know what I'm gonna pull in. So, uh, I think if I think if we all work together, it's gonna be an amazing story to tell. Yeah, it's gonna sound like something like like nothing else. It's gonna be uh, be pretty cool to watch. Or I've I've never seen of- this many world champions. Going after elk, me neither. Yeah. I I haven't. I haven't on on film. I have not. I've seen two. I've seen two go after them, not four. That's so what's crazy. Kind, what's kind of your like go to sequence for when you're hunting elk, like for locating, or do you just use a locator call or using cow calls? Explain that a little. Well, bit. well, I will tell you this: is I break it down, and I I, I do quite a few seminars. I break it down like this is I am very heavy on breaking the month of September down, right? Um, for some for some units in Colorado and other states, it varies. But for Colorado in general, I break it down like this. The season opens up on the 2nd of September. It used to open up on like August like August 25th, 26th. And I would get bulls to sound off in August the 20, 25th, 26th. But they're just location bugles. They're telling you where they are and whatnot. And as it progressed to like that September 2nd, I felt like, all right, let's break this down. The very beginning, like throughout the summer months of them hanging out with each other, like the bachelor months, they're always with each other and they have a pecking order. And as we we're we're on this podcast together, we know each other's voices. And there's a pecking order that's already established, right? Between those bulls. I humanize all this stuff. And there those kids have been to school all year long with each other. They've been chilling with each other. They know who the most dominant dude is. Don't mess with him. He's a bully. You know, chill with us. We we cool and collective. When you hear him sound off, just ignore him kind of thing. So the, the very beginning of September, I'd like to introduce that new kid to the playground. And I'm heavy on bull sounds, heavy on bull sounds. And when I'm heavy on bull sounds, what I'm introducing is that new kid to that playground. 
That's all I'm introducing. Remember, those bachelor group of bulls have been hanging out with each other, whether it's March, April, May, they're, you know, some of it changes and they've grown with each other. And most of the time, those are same age class bulls with each other. And then as you get into like the latter part of uh, August, they start, the testosterone starts building, their nuts start dropping, they start hating each other. Yo, you're starting to get on my nerves. I'm just humanizing it, right? You're starting to get on my nerves. I'm going to go this way, you go that way. But they never really venture so far away from each other. It's like voice distance. Hey, I'm over here. Hey, you over there. Cool. We're not too far from each other. Just want to hear your voice, man. Just checking in. It's like a phone call away, right? Yeah. And and then I'm heavy on those bull sounds early in the season, and that's to irritate some of those bulls. Like, it's new kid to the playground. And then towards the middle of season, which would be like that 10th to the the 15th or the 10th to the 20th of, of September, that's when you start introducing like, hey, I'm that new kid with them ladies. So my location bugle is the same, but now I got a few ladies with me and it irritates the hell out of those bulls. So they're like, yo, the new kids got all the ladies. Man, why can't I get some of them ladies? What is he saying that I'm not saying? I've been here for a whole year. You ain't even been here that long. And it irritates those bulls enough to bring those bulls in to close proximity or archery range, right? Mm-hmm. And the latter part of season, you know, that that maybe that 15th to 20th to the end of September, the 30th, 31st, it it's more cow sounds because now I'm trying to bring those 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 herds are established already. And all I'm trying to do is introduce those new ladies that man, I've never heard that voice again. Whoo, that sounds pretty. I'm gonna go out there and see what that one's about. And I'm bringing those kid, those those boys that were in that playground, and I'm introducing that new lady to the to the to the playground. Right. And it's totally different to them. They like, man, I ain't never heard this one before. I'm gonna go down there and check her out. I just want to see what she's about. I at least gotta see her, you know. Uh-huh. And and I'm I'm just humanizing this because yeah. that's what we do. That's what we did, yeah. right? At least I did before I was married. You know, I'm like, hey, <laughs> guilty. Yeah, oh yeah, we're all guilty sitting here. Yeah, hey man, let me go look at this one. That's pretty good. Oh yeah. And then the wife had to get me right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so very beginning of season heavy on on bull sounds. And I don't know if the Zoom calls are going uh, we're going to pick this up, but I'm heavy on, on bull sounds. Let, let me step away from the camera a little bit yeah. because I think it's going. I think it'll mess up the sound. It'll sound like this. It just sounds like a location dude. Sounds like this. I'm just saying, hey, where you at? Right. I, I want to play. I'm here, playground man. <laughs> and uh, and then 
when we get into like that mid season, I'm throwing in those calf and cow sounds with it. I'm throwing that sound in with that location beam. Right. And then I'm mixing in that angry bull too as well. And that angry bull could it could vary, right? It could vary. It could be those chuckles and those chuckles. I'm gonna step away from the camera. And I'm just talking to the I'm I'm making those that mid to September, I'm making it sound like I'm the new kid that has the ladies. Right. That's all I'm doing. And then the latter part of season is more so of I'm that cow that has not been bred yet. Right. It has not been bred yet. And I'll mix in those calf and cow sounds heavy versus the bull sounds. Right. Do and the I opposite. Still, I, yep. Yep. I just flip it. And, uh, and I found a lot of various, uh, a lot of success doing that. Um, but it varies from unit to unit here in Colorado, and I'm sure it varies from state to state. But I will tell you that it does not matter, uh, elk or elk. Mm -hmm. It just depends on when they when that cycle hits and when it's not hitting. But for those uh, early season bulls, I'm that new kid to the playground. That's all I'm doing. And uh, for uh, to circle back. That's what that's what I primarily focus on. I don't have a Colorado tag yet, but I still practice and preach that same same scenario. Like this is what I'm doing early season. This is what I'm doing mid season. This is what I'm doing late season. And I've found that it's been successful for years in and years out, and it's paid dividends. And for people that I I actually you know when I'm teaching these seminars they like golden i can't believe i didn't know this 10 years ago you know and and yeah. and i'm glad and i'm glad to cut that learning curve down for them because uh, ultimately between the podcast and seminars that i do um it's all about cutting that learning curve down because i don't want anybody to go through the the struggle that i went through yeah now i told my brother this long time ago and i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna go down a rabbit hole I told my brother this long time ago. I said, hey, man, I just want you to follow me. And every bad step that I make, I will never let you go down that road. I will never let you go down that road. And my brother is successful. He's doing great, you know. And, you know, he did his military career and then boom, he's in his civilian career. He's doing great. But he never went down those hard roads that I had to go down. Because I told him, I said, man, do not go down that road. And then now that he's successful in going down the good roads, he can teach me, hey, man, this road is great. You need to take a right. You need to take a right yeah. on this one. Yeah, take so, a right at the fork in the road. Don't go left. Yeah, yeah, don't go left. Go right here. And uh, But that that's, that's what it's ultimately about, like, you know, cutting that learning curve down for everybody because – you know, the last thing we want anybody to do is someone from Canada to come down to Colorado, spend 
you know, 900 bucks on a tag versus, you know, gas money coming down and all this flight stuff. And then you come down here and you're like, Colorado sucks. <laughs> what? Colorado's good. You just got to get into them. Yeah, no, I, I, I think anywhere like down where you guys are, I mean, like, well, Utah, where you're going to be hunting in Utah is actually not like northern northern utah isn't too far from where i am i'm in the southern part of Burgess, idaho. or sorry idaho yeah. yeah sorry uh northern idaho isn't too far from from where i from where i am pete's a little further he's up in the rockies he's in the in the nasty country i'm down where it's a little softer well i i heard this country that i'm going to that uh that that northern uh idaho is is thick stuff yeah, Big that's stuff. how most of British Columbia is. Most of BC is really thick, really nasty, really nasty stuff. And I know guys who've hunted, like, are from the states down in areas where you are, and they've come up to BC and hunt. They're like, man, it is thick bush, nasty shit in there. And yeah, I mean, but that's just well, that's just the nature I heard, of British Columbia. I heard when we call them in, we call them in, be ready to shoot at twenty yards. And I'm like, yeah. twenty yards. I said, Jesus. I said that's fine. Yeah, they said yeah. you ain't gonna see you ain't gonna see them until you get twenty. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's how it is. And like we're areas where we hunt. I know, like the very first bull I ever killed, I was hunting with my cousin. He was a great caller, uh, and you know he was my mentor. So you know, like you do for your brother, he 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 helped me in so many ways. And like our first elk tri elk trip together, I was able to kill an elk. But it was close, man. You could have like, you know, I could have threw a stick at him. He was so close. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be a lot of fun for you guys for sure. It's probably going to be a whole new experience for you getting to some of that country. No, yeah, that'll be that'll be definitely some some different experience. But uh, I'm hoping to get a tag uh, in Colorado. Kind of kind of circle back to where we talking about. I'm hoping to get a tag in Colorado. But if I don't, I got some buddies that I'm helping out early in Colorado that I have no shame in in. Uh, you know, leaving the bow back and and uh, just calling for for good friends, that that'd be awesome too. Because you know, let's let's let it be told that it doesn't really matter. Like you can spend you can spend your time at the house, but when you're in the woods, you gain way more experience and knowledge than you would watching videos. Oh, and uh, and and I've done that for years, watching videos, watching videos, and then I go out there and I execute. And then when season's over, I'm back on the video thing. But I I will tell you this is I'm not a guide. Uh, I I take friends out, and it it is way more rewarding to me to see a good friend of mine say, "Man, we got it done, dude. We got it done. I can't believe you called that bull in like that." You know what? That's so fun to me. Yeah. That's so fun to me. And I'm not a guide. Not I. I really don't want to be a guide because then it be turn. Then it becomes work. Mm -hmm. I. I just want to be that that person that cuts that learning curve down for that one individual, and then that individual teaches somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. So you got two kids, uh -huh. um, and I hear your little one. He's quite the caller already. Yes. Yes. Adrian, oh, he's, he's busy. Adrian, he's following the old man's footsteps. Yeah, no, that dude's a he's a he is a elk caller. Um, I'm I'm actually, you know, I I would be proud to say that. Um, come here, man. 
Um, grab your bugle tube and, and, and call. And uh, I would be proud to say that I would lay down like everything. I would, I would even give up my elk tags to see him do what he loves to do. And, and that's Chase Elkin. He does love Chase Elkin. And that right there is inspiring to me. But uh, this dude, man, you know, after 2019, he, he, he seen me win it. And he was like, dude, I'm on it. I'm on it. You know, I'm trying to call too. And it took him about three months because he was a uh, voice call first. You want to you wanna view before them? Here, place away from here so it don't sound too hard. Huh? You could just bugle. You can do uh, whatever you want to do. Lip ball, bugle. Well, he's got me beat anyway. That's awesome. So he, you know, I, I would say this, he, I would lay down my tags to chase elk with him absolutely any day. Um, but, you know, kids, kids, man, they, they have, so, they have a finger in every cookie jar. Oh yeah. Yeah. They <laughs> I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do that. Yeah. And, uh, and I think my next, my next adventure for him is competitive archery shooting. Right. Like, yeah. How man, old is he? He's thirteen. Thirteen, he's right? 13. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a lot of fun. We I've had my 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 kids. Well, they're all I have three kids, and they've all started shooting a bow when they're around five years old. And the oh, oldest man. Wyatt, he's he's right into it. And uh, we just all did a, a shoot together, and and, uh, and he did pretty good. He he kind of shocked the shit out awesome. of me. He pulled a three eighty three out of there. So yeah. it's pretty amazing. Yeah, he's, he's pretty crazy. deadly. Yeah. Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was pretty proud so of him. We went up to, uh, just a couple weekends ago, we went up to Hike to Hunt um, in New Mexico. It was a spare-of-the-moment thing, and uh, me and my buddy Pat, uh, we 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 drove three hours from my house. And, you know, he he's an hour and a half from me, so he drove four and a half hours. So he met me here in the house and we we said, heck with it. Let's just go down there, man. It, I seen it on my flyer. It just popped up on my Instagram. I was like, we're going, man. We're going. I don't know if you're going, but we're going to go. And uh, went down there to shake a few hands and and then shoot the course. But we had the kids with us. And uh, his kid is uh, nine and Hadrian is 13. And they both were shooting. And we we're like, yeah. We'll take them up. We'll we'll shoot with them, and then we'll get some practice too as well. And we tried to stay on a course that was no no further than like seventy yards. And if it was seventy yards, then me and my buddy Pat would shoot, and and then we wouldn't let them shoot on those longer shots. Man, it was amazing. It was hot. <laughs> it was hot as heck. <laughs> I mean, it was so hot. Uh, we we took multiple breaks because we had the kids, and uh. We shot the course, and after that, I was like, "Man, we gotta take those those guys a lot more with us on some of these shoots." And it was just like father father son moment, 
me and my buddy with with his kids and and me and me and and my son. So it was it was fun. Pack a lunch because it, it'll be a long day when you with the kids. Oh yeah. Oh, man. oh daddy, yeah. I'm hot. Oh <laughs> daddy. <I'm- laughs> my my brother and I were talking about that shoot that we just went on. My brother and I we had uh, we had his two kids and my three kids out with us. And we went out. We did the we did the the uh, A event. And my God, that <laughs> that was a long day, man. That was a long it be, day. It becomes yeah. it becomes a long it becomes a long day. But oh, I will yeah. tell you, it's so much fun. Oh yeah, yeah, it's awesome, man. It's so Some it's so the- great to see those kids getting out in the outdoors like that, and like just just watching them. And um, you know, it, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast that you and Jonathan did the other day, and I love the quote that you you said. You said, uh, "I don't live my dreams through through my children." Um, it was pretty. I, I love that. Yeah, because you know, like I grew up in a pretty competitive family, and I think back of it now, and like, you know, my my dad had lots of hopes and dreams and goals for for us kids, and I, and I think he is definitely guilty of that. And it's uh, you know, it's no fun. So it's good to get these kids doing stuff and get them involved in the outdoors. And it's great to see that they actually like to do it and take initiative of it, in it. No, uh, it's, it's, it, it, it's fun. It's, it's fun. I will, I'll go back on that quote and I, I will tell you, I, I live my moments like that. Um, you know, just because, you know, I was this amount of wrestler and this kind of person. Um, listen, I, I don't, I, I'm not living my, my dreams through you. You do what you you want to do, and uh, whatever you want to do, I will help you try to get there, and uh, the best of my ability, right? And I know my son wants to wrestle, but I also know the toll that it takes on my my body that I've done for years, and and it hurts. It 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 hurts me a lot, and still to this day it hurts. Um, but when he says he wants to wrestle, I'm like, how much do you want to wrestle, man? Because, man. That takes a lot. It takes a lot. It's yeah. it's hard work. It's hard work. And uh, if anybody knows wrestling, that dude, that's a brutal sport. It's a brutal sport. And uh, yeah. just like football players taking hits and uh, combative sports, period, is is tough, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, being up in Canada, Pete and I, we were definitely we played hockey, right? As most Canadians hockey, do, as you man, can, hockey. as you could imagine. <laughs> Hockey's tough. I used to be a scorekeeper for hockey, and that I was like, dude, these dudes are brutal, man. These guys are animals. Some yeah. sports they kick you out for fighting and stuff. Here they cheer you on. They want you back on the ice right after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get the, they get the fighting, and I'm like, dude, man, they fighting on skates. These dudes, I would never want to mess with on barefoot. I said these things mess you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. It's, it's crazy. Well, you know what, buddy? I think uh, I think we're gonna wrap it up here. We've kept you for over an hour here, man. We're gonna. I want to get into fitness and everything, but you know what? That will just let let, uh, let me to keep bugging you to come back on the show here. Maybe after the hunting season, we can get into that, and you can tell us how your hunting season season was, uh, if that's okay with you. Absolutely, absolutely. A lot of people. Hey, that's one line. That's one line that you cannot neglect, especially when you you're chasing elk is fitness. So, absolutely, yeah. hit me up, and and I'll be more than more than help, uh, happy to jump online and tell you how I do it. Uh, how I do it now is a little different than I used to do it, but uh, absolutely, I'll tell you everything. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I'm uh, 44 and I'm learning the hard way that uh, the older you get, you got to train smarter, not harder. Smarter. Smarter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just yeah. I just turned I just turned 42 the other day and I'm like, dude, I ain't the same person as I was when I was in my 20s. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, no doubt. OK, buddy, uh, we're going to put show notes up to all your stuff uh, in the in on in the show notes of this podcast and uh um it man it's been it's been great talking to you i know we've been kind of going back and forth for a while and you know it's uh it's great to finally get you on the show and and me and you know face to face for the i guess through camera face to face for the first time absolutely i appreciate you guys having me on yeah, awesome thank you very much for coming on appreciate it nice meeting you yeah, yeah you okay. too. take care see you pete yeah see you later Thanks again, everyone, for tuning into the Focus Hunting Podcast, coming at you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. I want to take a quick sec and make a huge shout out and say thanks to the sponsors of this show, uh, starting with BC's premier archery shop, Hardcore Archery, located right here in Kelowna, British Columbia. Um, AKU Boots, they've uh, they've been supporting the show for a while now. Uh, both Pete and I, we've been running these boots for well over a year. You know, hunting in BC, we face probably the harshest backcountry environment in the world. We've got deserts, Rocky Mountain, extreme coastlines, you name it. Uh, and these are the only boots that have lasted me more than one hunting season. So, you know, they're definitely worth the investment. You owe it to your feet to uh, use AKU boots. Uh, use promo code FOCUS and get 15% off right. Uh, they're probably going to cringe because I always pronounce the name wrong, but uh, it is what it is. Onyx Maps, now available in Canada. Stay tuned, guys. We've partnered up with Onyx, and we're going to be getting you guys some more information on Onyx and their mapping system for Canada. Uh, for those of you in the U.S., you've already got access to it and most likely been using the app. Pete and I got early access to this app, and to be honest, it rocks. Um, but like I said, we're going to get you more information on that, and we're going to be able to get you guys a little bit of discount. Um, so lastly, if you guys could please leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. We really appreciate the support. Love you guys. Until next time. Thanks. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.